If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over the time of ministry in the Word today. Let me hear you pray with me. Father, we call upon you today, thanking you for being our God that hears and answers prayer. Lord, as we come to this time of the service, with the heavy hearts that may be present today, may the burden of their hearts be lightened before this service has come to its conclusion. God, may you be honored through everything that comes through this servant's lips. May I say and communicate that which you have directed me to today. May you be glorified and honored and praised for all of these blessings. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name. And the church said, Amen. The scriptures that I've read to you this morning Many prophecy teachers and Bible scholars believe this is the end of the church on earth and it's the beginning of the church in heaven, Revelation chapter 4. But today I want to talk specifically about a thought that maybe you've never considered 
And that is the other half of the rainbow. I'm intrigued by God's creation. There's several things in God's creation that always grab my attention. But I guess out of all of the majestic things that I see and I have beheld, and there's many that I haven't seen, one of the most intriguing displays of our Creator is the rainbow. You ever pondered on the rainbow? Its origin, how it happens? Have you ever asked yourself the question, is there really a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? I have ridden, as you have, through the mountains of western Virginia after a gully washer, and I've seen the most beautiful array of colors that you could ever imagine. I've seen rainbows in the city. I've actually witnessed in more recent years double rainbows or where I saw two arcs of colors, primary colors stretching over one another. One, one specific day that stands out in my mind, it was back in 2011, 2000 time, 2012 time frame, we were standing in front of our home and a rainbow had come by after a storm and it was perfectly arced over our home. We took a picture because it was that kind of sight that really communicated clearly to you personally and as a family. The rainbow, maybe you've never, from the natural side, maybe you've never known this, but it's, it's simply caused by the sun's glistening rays. As the sun's rays penetrate through the moisture or the mist of the air after a storm. And it produces multiple colors of beauty and of grandeur. But I want you to know that even though that's the way scientists would explain it, the rainbow is not a coincidence. The rainbow is a sign from God. In Genesis chapter 9, the rainbow signified to, the, to Noah and his family that the physical flood and the physical storm had come to a conclusion. Many had watched as Noah followed the command of the Lord to build an ark. you got to understand that this was building an ark on dry ground where there had been no rain cloud in sight. In fact, to that moment, mist had only watered the earth. And so the people thought him to be that much more foolish. There had never been any rain showers. There had been nothing but mist. And no doubt they ridiculed him and they ignored his sermons and his messages to repent. Well, you say, well, I never read in Genesis where he was a preacher. Well, if you go over to the book of Second Peter, I believe it is, the, the scripture calls him a preacher of righteousness. And so while he was building an, an ark according to the command of God, he was preaching that people should turn to Jehovah. And I want you to know God did open the heavens. I want you to know that God did break up the fountains of the deep. It wasn't just the showers and the torrential storm from heaven. But it was also God opened up somehow the fountains of the deep and water came from beneath and from above. And the scripture is very clear and any of us that have been in church any length of time in Sunday school, we know that, that God destroyed the earth with a flood and every living creature outside of the ark did perish. 150 days the fountains broke up. 150 days the rain fell from the skies, nothing but stormy weather. And then after 150 days, it stopped. 
And the Bible says that God set, set the bow in the cloud to let Noah know, number one, that the storm was over. But that was not the only reason he put the bow in the cloud. More importantly than that, the bow was also placed there for the purpose of establishing a covenant, not just with Noah and his family, but with all of mankind, that there will never be flooding, a, a global flooding to the earth again. As long as the earth remained, there was going to be seed time and harvest. There was going to be the four seasons ushered in and out in the created cycle as God intended for it to be. And God has kept his promises. And this is why after a tremendous storm, you look in the sky and you see this arc of colors. I believe, number one, it's telling you that that physical storm has come to a conclusion and that it's over and the sun is shining again and the rays from the sun are, are glistening through the leftover mist from the storm and that arc is, is formed perfectly by the hand of God. But I believe it's also reminding us every time we see it in 2019, it's reminding us that God will never destroy the earth by flood again. But my question to you this morning is, where is the other half of the rainbow? Where do those amber and emerald and, and red colors end? Or was it intended to be just a semicircle of colors all along? Was that God's plan? But then one day, it was several years ago, I was reading in Revelation chapter 4. And if you read Revelation chapter 4, you read some tremendous things take place. As you get your first glimpse in the apocalyptic vision of John, you get your first glimpse of the throne room of heaven. You see a throne that is set in heaven. And you see one sitting on the throne that looks like sardon and jasper stone in all of his majesty. Around the throne you see 24 elders. Some have concluded as they are clothed in white and wearing crowns of gold. Some have concluded that they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And they represent the 12 disciples. And others say they represent the church. But these 24 elders, they, they're there. They have been there. And then, and then we, we hear these words in Revelation chapter 4, that out of the throne where this majestic being sits, there's lightnings and, and thunderings, and you hear multiple voices that are sounding aloud. When I read that, Brother Gene, it took me back to the book of Exodus on Mount Sinai. When the law was given, the Bible tells us that there was lightnings and thunderings and, and a great smoke and a great cloud, and, and the people trembled as the law was given. We go back to Revelation chapter 4 and we see that there's seven lamps of fire that are burning before the throne. We also see that there is a sea of glass like unto crystal that is before the throne. And then an unusual sight as if the rest of it is not grabbing our attention. We see four beasts that are flying around the throne of God. And then they've got a, a three pair of wings and they are constantly constantly crying. They never deviate from this. From eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. They fly about the throne of God and they say these words Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And at certain points during that the 24 elders sitting on their own respective places of authority. They 
they fall off of their seats and they take the crowns off of their head and they lay them down at the feet of the one who sits on the throne and they say, Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and for your pleasure all things are created. Earlier this week I tried. I said, Lord, help me to catch a spiritual glimpse of what it must have been like for John on the Isle of Patmos to get his first glimpse into the throne room of heaven. And as I looked at that, I thought, boy, it must have been dreadful. It must have been grand. It must have been glorious. It must have been frightening. A majestic scene that would almost make any, would make any one of us in the room unworthy to feel like we should even be present for a moment, much less for all of eternity. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine what it would be like to be exposed to that kind of experience. You see, the way things are priceless to us here, they are nothing up there. Let me tell you, we pay thousands of dollars for crystal here, but up there, there's a body of water. The appearance of crystal is like a like a sea of glass. It's so majestic. We we have people that literally put their lives in jeopardy to dive into hundreds of feet of water deep onto the ocean's floor to try to find pearls. But I want to tell you something. When we get up there, we're going to lean against gates of pearl. We're not going to die for it. We're going to lean up against it. Can I tell you, we got people that are fretting about today what the stock market will do. They'll fret about what the stock market will do tomorrow. And one of their main barometers is gold. What is gold doing? Is gold doing anything today? It seems like it's declined today, but it's going up tomorrow. And people base their their, their temporary economic status on what gold is doing. But can I tell you the place I'm going? We're going to walk on gold. Can I tell someone today these stones, these jewels that are described here would attract crowds at auctions that would pay thousands of dollars. Thieves will put their lives on the line and they'll put their freedom in jeopardy. Stealing these precious stones, but I've come by to remind someone today that those jewels that we covet so much here are going to be stones of a foundation when we get to that glorious city. Oh God, help us to catch a glimpse of what it's like to experience what John did. You see, what I really want to get to is verse 3. That's really where my message is centered today because in verse 3 it says these words, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. I look at that, and I've done the study on it, and I'm telling you, it was a 360-degree rainbow. It had emerald green as its dominating color, representing life. Every direction, rainbow, completely encircled by rainbow. Ezekiel, in fact, if you don't believe what John saw, it didn't start in Revelation. Oh, no, you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find a prophet 
prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And he wrote these words as he saw a vision of the throne of God. And he said, I saw as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. In other words, what John saw, Ezekiel had seen hundreds of years earlier. And I want to tell you something. This is what you need to get. What's so important about this particular part of John's vision is that he saw an emblem of mercy amidst frightening glory in the presence of the king. God help me this morning. <laughs> he heard thunderings. He saw lightnings. He heard voices. Just like back at Mount Sinai. Just like where the law was given. And if you go back and you read that in the book of Exodus. You'll find that the people said they cowered back in fear. And they told Moses, don't uh, ask God not to talk to us directly. Ask God to talk to you. And you convey the message because we can't handle the splendor and the glory and the awesomeness of God. And I'm telling you when that law was passed down, there were commandments and there's still commandments today that God expects us to honor and to revere and to live by and I'm telling you the people the, 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 the thunderings and lightnings of Mount Sinai would, would, would lead us to believe that there might be some, some judgment implied if you don't follow through on the commandments in addition to that the glory of the Lord to the revelator John in Revelation chapter 4 would no doubt drive everyone of us to our knees. I don't know what's going to happen the first time I'm in the presence of Jesus. I've heard songs that say we're going to dance and some say we're going to sing. I tell you, there's a lot of things we've had to say, a lot of things we've had to articulate, but the first time I'm in the presence of Jesus, I'm not sure I'm going to dance. I'm not sure I'm going to sing. I'm sure I'm going to be overwhelmed by the glory of who he is and the reality that I have to be spend eternity with him as my Savior and Lord, I'm probably going to fall to my feet and hold on to His and say, Lord, thank you for everything you've done for me. Hallelujah. See, I believe wholeheartedly that the same God that gives us a rainbow on earth is the same God that created a rainbow in heaven. You say, okay, what does that circle represent? You say it's round about the throne. I believe it represents perfection. Completeness. Eternal. Forever. I do weddings. And I bring man and wife together in matrimony. And every ceremony that I can recall always included a symbol, what we call the wedding band, a complete circle. I got to be honest, I have yet to do a wedding that has an arc for a ring. It's always been a complete circle. And that wedding man, I look at that husband and wife-to-be, and I say, that means you are now complete. That means that this side of eternity, you are forever together. 
What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That's not just a cliche. That's word of God. So my interpretation of Scripture shows me here that God put the bow in the clouds for Noah to know that there would be an end of natural flooding. And not only would there be an end of natural flooding, but there would be no more destruction by earthly flooding. But I've come by to preach this morning to the church at Pulaski that what Ezekiel in the Old Testament saw and what John in the New Testament saw was the completion of God's beautiful rainbow. You see, there will be no more physical flooding on this earth. But I've come by to shout today to someone, to tell someone that that completed rainbow tells me that there's coming a day when all storms will be over. We fight one storm after another, one gully washer after another that tries to wipe us out. We are very much like Noah. We ride on the ark of God's grace through the storms, and we do it through the storms of marital breakdown and physical illness and financial collapse and tragic accidents and vocational loss and fragmented relationships. And he promised us in Isaiah chapter 43, Sister Lucy, he said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and they will not overflow you. And we cannot sometimes see, but one side of the rainbow and we know that we won't be washed away physically but what about the spiritual storms and what about the emotional storms I was talking this past week and this struck close to home uh, you remember last June we went and celebrated with with teens that we had been youth pastors of and 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 25 year reunion and we had a great time and I shared that with you already but I, I was talking to one this week a precious girl she's she's lived for the Lord but raised in a Christian home and has been faithful to God as a musician, as a wife, as a mother, serving the Lord. A few years ago, she had some heart issues, and we, we discovered this week that, that she's having blood circulation. She's probably not, not 50 years old, and she's having blood circulation issues in her leg, and they're going to have to take her middle toe this week, and she's going through some major surgeries, and I was on the other end of the phone when she looked at me. She said, Donald, I don't know what I've done. I don't, what have I done? Can you tell me what I've done to deserve this? And, and I had no answer for her. I had nothing to communicate. I look out across this congregation and I watch some of the storms that some of you have gone through. You get through one storm and within a day or two another one has cropped up and you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it another day. And I appreciate the ark in the sky that tells me there'll be no more physical flooding on the earth. But I, can't, I don't know if I can take another emotional storm. I don't know if I can take another spiritual storm, but I've come by just to encourage you. Hold on one more day. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. At some given moment, at some given time, you're going to end up in the throne room of heaven and all your storms will be over. Somebody give him praise. My God, my God, I feel it. Hallelujah. The Lord says, just keep looking to my son as your lighthouse. He will not 
let you go under. And in addition to that, one day the rainbow will be complete. You swim the floods. You swim the storms to the throne room. For there, God is saving the rest of the rainbow to let you know that it's going to be done once and for all. Everywhere you look, said to Terry, everywhere John looked, he saw a rainbow. In Genesis, he says, I give you a part of the picture. But in Revelation, it's complete. It's over. It's done. It's wrapped up. God. In Genesis, I show you earthly mercy. But in heaven, in Revelation, I welcome you to eternal mercy. Somebody ought to be shouting right there. In Genesis, the one half of the rainbow means waters are, are held in boundaries. That doesn't stop fire and hail and disease and pestilence and terrorism and family problems. But he said, one day you'll see the other half of the rainbow and nothing shall harm you for all of eternity. Here the tears flow and then the laughter returns. Only to give away to the tears flowing again. And the laughter returns. And the vicious cycle continues. Because that is life in a sin-filled world. But one day... God's going to take out his big old hanky. And I believe with one swoop, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. But when you get to heaven crutches and the wheelchairs and the walking sticks the arthritis and the cancer and the asthma and the heart condition they're all going to have to stay outside the gate I guess the best way to describe it is the way the psalmist did in Psalms 34 19 when he said these words many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers us out of them all. <laughs> Revelation 21 and 4 tells us, and this is what it says, there shall be no more pain. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more crying. For the former things have passed away.
this revelation came to me. You won't get to God's throne room because of the lightning, the elders, the four beasts. Because you think you have enough money that matches the jewels that are in the throne room. As captured as we are, Brother Fred, by the vision that John saw in Revelation chapter 4. The one symbol that gives us a right to be there is the rainbow. A long time before the LGBT community corrupted the colors, they're not the ones that own the rainbow colors. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise there. A long time before they prostituted the colors of God in His throne, around His throne, filling His throne is a symbol of mercy. Brother Tim, that's why I will be able to fall at the throne. It is of his mercies we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. Great is his faithfulness. When Lot was lingering in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels were trying to deliver him and his family, and he was hesitating because he had too much investment in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says the angels reached out and took his hand in response to the intercessory prayers of Abraham and God's faithfulness to Abraham. They reached out and took his hands, and this is what it says, the Lord being merciful to him. If you get there... When you get there and you show up, you might tremble because of the voices and the lightnings and the thunderings. And you may shake when you see those four beasts flying around the throne. And you may be awed by it all. But when it's all said and done, gratefulness and thankfulness are going to take over your heart when you catch a glimpse of that rainbow round about the throne that says God's mercy has made it possible for me to make heaven my home. All those other things I wouldn't feel welcome there but the rainbow lets me know I'm welcome there I've done a lot of bad things before I knew Christ and since I met Christ I've made a lot of wrong choices a lot of bad decisions but when I show up there it won't be because of my works it'll be because of the mercy and the grace of God and I'll recognize that when I see that. I hope y'all getting it like I got it in my spirit. There's people. And we need hope. So many people that need hope. I just kind of just be transparent with you. I'm gripped just in the last couple of weeks. Staff pastor at a church in California, 6,000 people, ended his life. 
I can't, I can't fathom that. We know just a handful of weeks ago, a man dressed for work here in our own county took his life from a, from a train trestle here. You can't read these things in passing and not get a hold of your spirit. And then it gets really close to home when you hear about a 23-year-old boy that sat in these pews, may very well have sat in these Sunday school classes. Brother Weaver, my heart was just broken. Just broken. And we, we, we try to think. Those, those folks are, we, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll say they're, they're far removed. They're far removed. They were, they were going through the motions maybe, but they're, they're far removed. I, I'd never find myself doing it. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you there's people sitting right in this room that name the name of Christ that have thought more than one time of saying it's not worth continuing no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, sometimes you need somebody to come by and give you a reminder that there is hope. You say, what is the hope? Oh, I tell you, if in this life only we had hope, we'd be of all men most miserable. But I made my hope in the lighthouse whose name is Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, I have hope that one day I'm going to see the completed circle of that rainbow around the throne room of a merciful God when he calls me home to be with him. Shut up. Hallelujah. 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 I wish somebody in the house would lift their hands to the Lord and just ask God to have his own way this morning. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God just wanted your pastor to come by this morning and give you some hope. Give you some hope. To let you know that while there's a rainbow that arcs in the natural sky, there's one even greater the symbol of eternal mercy, the symbol of eternal hope that circles the throne where our Heavenly Father sits. <laughs> you say, I profess Christ. I'm doing my very level best to live for Him. But today I am weak I need strength. I don't know when this storm that I'm in right now is going to be over. But I sometimes wonder if I can make it another day. I'm really, really struggling. I'm really, really struggling. I love God. I serve God. But I tell you what, this one has really done a number on me. Both after his 40 days in the wilderness and after his encounter in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the Son of God, 
was sent angels from heaven to strengthen him. If the Son of God in his physical man received angelic strength from on high, I guarantee you he is perfectly okay with you laying down the facade and saying, you know what, I could use some angelic strength right now. Who are you? Do you need prayer? Do you need prayer? Come on. Come on. Come on right now. Come on up here. Meet me up here. Meet me up here. Anyone? You know, I just need strength. I just need strength. I just need strength. God bless those honest hearts. I just need strength. The cares of life, the challenges. I just need strength. going to be that angel for someone? Will God transfer supernatural strength through you as you come up and lay hands on someone's shoulder? Would you like to be that person?